unpeeling layers to the onion. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. How are you doing on this beautiful springtime Monday morning? I mean, it's not spring. It's 35 degrees outside. It's not spring and it's not Monday. Welcome to the I show. I have a headache, dude. I'm, are we groggy? Just I'm not groggy. Little... I feel really good. Oh, I must be projecting. Yeah, I'm, I won't let you. Well, how are you feeling? You get some good sleep last night? We we used to talk about your sleep all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's been a week of I've been eating a pint of ice cream right before I go to bed. Yeah. It's, it's almost like I'm loading the plane with the baggage. <laughs> I just eat, and uh, last night I didn't eat it, and I don't know if I slept any better. Oh, that, well, that's a fascinating proposition. Yeah, I think the ice cream is important for good sleep. I, there's no, I don't know if Huberman Labs, I don't know what he would say, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I didn't sleep. I don't. I don't feel very good right now. Well, uh, I'm gonna uh, work into it though. That's good. I mean, you're gonna we're gonna find that energy. And I think there's no better place to start than with friendship and the friendship of someone like Precision Pro Golf. Yeah, Precision Pro has been uh, a great friend of the brand. We, I mean, going back in time, the rangefinder we made was a moment for me. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, go to Precision Pro and get your get your get your game straight, get your game sorted. If you don't have a rangefinder, I didn't have one for a long time because I was the kind of golfer who really. Well, we, we'll talk about this because we played last weekend. But I don't, I don't really give a shit about score. I don't really think about those things. That's fine, but I mean, like, then I wanted to play better. It's not even about playing better. It's about playing with information. I don't know how anyone plays without a rangefinder. Just simple, basic take. I don't get it. Yeah, how do you think they were doing it back in the uh, old Tom Morris days? Do you think they just had a guy, a little boy, whose job was to pace it out? Well, I mean, you know, there there were more courses that had the sticks in the middle, you know, or the or the plates in the middle. So at least you could step that off. And and here's I will say the one downside to a rangefinder is you start firing at pins that you have no business firing at. That is so true. I start I start firing at like lips of bunkers. I start I start to break <laughs> down the course. I'm like, okay, so it's about two hundred and seventy just need to carry that bunker you know i start to get a real ambitious you're thinking about carrying the bunker at 270 like like a dumbass to be very specific (laughs) you saw it not work out a couple times on sunday oh man i mean i think like the number you want is middle of the green so that that's decade golf baby (laughs) that's what you want to be doing scott um we had a long running joke um keffer and myself when we do our matches if someone misses a shot and it lands in the middle of the green because we only fire at pins, yeah. the other person just goes, decade golf. Decade, decade golf. golf. Dude, just it's a lifestyle. Analytics. You just a couple of analytical boys. There's data in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the rangefinder, I just I put it in my back pocket. I love having it. I want to know exactly what I'm looking at. Part of my problem is that my eyes aren't so great. So I'll, sometimes I'll see things that aren't real. They really aren't. I, I started to wonder if you have course hallucinations. Uh, when you said that, I heard C O A R S E. The worst kind of. Um, yeah, no, I have very fine hallucinations on the course. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to talk about today. I don't even know. I, I don't even really know where to begin. Obviously, we're going to do Q and A, but I think that the question that's on a lot of people's minds is this new documentary. I think we should talk. It's a documentary. About it. <laughs> Supposedly, it's a documentary. <laughs> I don't know about that. So Full Swing came out on February 15th. We're going to be upfront and candid. I don't want to speak for you. You haven't seen the whole thing? Uh, I've seen uh, 
at least one episode, and I can't remember if I've seen two and a half or one and a half. Yeah, and I've seen about just about the same. And there's already a lot of punditry around it. The, the background oh, really? is... What, is the, what are the pundits saying? The pundits are saying kind of what the F1 fans were saying when Drive to Survive came out. Same production company, executive producer Jacob Rees-Mogg, and they're saying like, oh, this doesn't really do it for me. You know, the golf fans. Yeah, so what you're saying is when I watched Drive to Survive, I was hooked like like full on couldn't stop watching formula one fans people who already liked formula one were like this ain't it exactly and of course there are the the you know the memes accounts and the general golf fodder that uses any single information to be like oh wow tiger is the most amazing thing or oh wow golf is hard and i'm not even really taking that as serious critical opinion of of this kind of a show but i mean more so where people's where people are getting what they're getting out of this show i want to start positively which is we got a text from natalie last night who's who's you know new on the team and she texted us a picture of her she came home and her boyfriend neither know anything about golf they're not really into golf and her boyfriend was watching the show and was hooked already I thought he was watching the Genesis. I thought he was watching oh, golf. Okay, I didn't zoom in. I don't know. Maybe not. No, it might have been. More so to say they started watching the show earlier this week. That's the positive side of the show. I, I think we can we can say that, right? Yeah. Like, we're really happy that people are giving the game a chance who might not otherwise before. However, I'm personally a little confused with the even the opening framing of the episode for the first episode. And what I wanted to ask you was less so from the golf perspective, which is what I'm seeing a lot of people talk about with why aren't we talking more about the specifics of the sport or it's they're you know, they're dumbing it down from a filmmaker's perspective, from the craft perspective. What was y'all what was your just a initial opinion when you were watching it and thinking about how they were framing the story? I mean, I'm not interested in reality television. Yeah. That, that's where I went. I was just like, geez, like I mean, frenemies. That, is that the, was that the name is, of the first the episode. Of the first episode yeah. Look, I mean, can, do you mind giving me one favor, Jojo? Can you just turn the volume down 15% in the headphones? Yeah, I, I've never heard you say that before, but I can do it. Yeah, I just, I got like a... Oh, you have a headache, yeah. I have a headache. Do you yeah. want to go headphones off? No, I took some Advil. I like, okay. I need to hear it. Okay, go ahead. Um, Thank you, though. Yeah, I took okay. some Advil. I took the liquid gels. Uh, this, not a current partner. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet, but if these headaches persist... um. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's you know, there's a there's a method, right, to getting people to watch things and you know, clearly clearly um there there I will say though, within within that thing that I'm not super interested in, there was insight and access that obviously is unparalleled. I mean, even, you know, the the level to which uh we got to see Augusta or the locker rooms or things like that. I mean, I've been in the players' locker room and um, you feel like you don't belong in there, right? Like I couldn't imagine bringing a camera crew into the locker room. I mean, that takes that takes some uh, chutzpah, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, the, the the only thing that I thought was interesting was. Um, when you get to this, I believe it's the second episode, which is basically about Brooks and Scotty. Yeah. That's where it got really interesting to me because, well. You're talking about the mental, the mental differences between the two and their approach to the golf? 
Yeah, mental. I would say spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is clearly playing for themselves for a goal, and the other is, I mean, you know, I've met Ted Scott, uh, Bubba's former caddy, Scotty's current caddy, and you know, he's he is part of the group on tour that meets on Friday nights to have church service before the weekend. That's right. And um, I've been to one. It's like it's 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 an absurd idea that is beautiful, right? It's just a, it's a, it's crazy to me that you would put together a bunch of people that essentially from Brooks's perspective and from the outsider's perspective, we we think that these people just want to beat each other. And sure, Jordan and JT talk about that, but there's also a group that doesn't feel that way. And and what really what I really saw when I was like closing out the night last night and was like thinking about golf. It's like <clears throat> golf really is just a, it's like a, it's like a pie contest or like a, how fast can you solve the Rubik's cube contest? It's very nerdy in that sense. You're just uh, solving a puzzle with your body and your mind and the elements. And the question is, can you solve the puzzle in fewer moves than everybody else? So with, with tennis and with racing, these other two shows that this producer has made on Netflix, you're trying to get something past another person, yeah. whether it's a ball or a vehicle. And sometimes it's life- death-defying in the vehicular sense. Which is why Drive to Survive is just always going to be the best, even if you aren't a fan. I mean, I don't have any objectivity there. I couldn't say. But, um, but golf by its nature is sort of a strange proposition for a sport. It's It's... It's literally you could be playing alone. There's no there's no reason to even have a twosome. The reason is because of timing, but you could. It just doesn't. Um, it doesn't imply any other players, except that if they look at the leaderboard, they are innately implied because they know where they're at. But without the leaderboard, it's like I'm just playing my own game. And the thing that was really the most interesting to me is when Ted right before uh, the. Saturday round at Augusta, Ted was talking to his new player who is like basically risen unlike any other in like what six weeks. Uh, Ted was like, You know, you've done this before, it's just a regular day, and God controls everything. Yeah, I remember what a calming bedside manner he had at the last Masters, too. Yeah, and I think there's something special about the, the way in which Scotty won that. What, missing two two footers at the very end. Yeah, you know, didn't even care. Didn't even care. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this so laid back. I think in the episode you're talking about, right? Brooks is freaking out in his mansion over his swing. Misses the cut. Can't listen to his wife. Yeah, and then it's outside. just cutting to Scotty, and he's he's picking his ice caramel coffees or something. Yeah, and he's like, "How many times do you get to win a PGA Tour event in your life?" And he's just coming at it from a place of gratitude and like. Uh, What I really saw is that, and and I'm not a religious person. I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. um, I don't have an image of God in my head or anything like that. But just just from a blurry standpoint, right, there's the person who believes in something other than (laughs) themselves, and then there's the person who believes in themselves. And so it's like this mindset of, like, I do everything or I do nothing. And that, to me, was the most striking thing. And I honestly wish... I mean, they clearly told enough of that story so that that's what I took from it. I wish it was more about that. 
Um, and I almost would like to see a show that takes that theme and spreads it across science, you know, um, other sports, business, politics. Because, I mean, that to me is really the interesting thing. Not so much like what kind of money game we're playing or, you know, uh, or like, you know, their, their like comfort level with, a, like I remember when JT was working out, they were like, show the label. And JT was like, if you pay me, I'll do it. And I was just like, wow. Hey, it's a business. I get it. I know what that's like on some level. But like, yeah, I was just like, I want to see really the 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 mindset that it that it takes to win but not at all costs because i wouldn't imagine that winning is better than being happy i I don't know yeah i've never won a pga tour event not yet but when i looked at the difference between scotty and brooks clearly we're talking about different points of their career who knows three or four years if scotty has a dry streak he could turn into the same person i doubt it yeah, it seems unlikely. And even even Jordan, who's gone through plenty of different stretches, it's it's just fascinating to see how these guys are, how different they can have and how different the perspectives can, can be. And that's beautiful about the game of golf. But the the reality TV framing of the entire show is felt, felt different than Formula One. And I know that Drive to Survive has evolved over the number of seasons. And there are people who are frustrated by the fact that it leaned more and more into the drama and the reality TV of it and less from the racing as it progressed. Well, yeah, and, and that's probably because in the car environment, in the in the pit, in the paddock, right, you've got people that you simply cannot do this without. And when you win the race or don't, you must recognize that, you know, the sum of your parts is greater than you know, the, you know, the, the, whatever you, I'm saying it backwards, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. The synecdoche, which is that the idea is that the sum is greater than the, uh, when you add the parts together. Yeah, it's not, it's not just, you know, $500 million and a hundred people. It's, it's more than that because you, but, but in golf, the players led to this illusion that, that they are doing all of it, which look, I mean, the final, the, the, the hard line here is that Brooks believes that Scotty does not, right? Like Scotty has someone else in the paddock that is not of human form, and he's not playing. And this is this goes back to when I went to that um, church service. It was on the Champions Tour, and uh, it was Bernard Langer was really the primary character in this church service. And when when I interviewed him, um, he said golf, you know, Bernard Langer. I mean, like yeah. the guy knows how to win. Um, he said to me, you know, golf became a lot more enjoyable and I got a lot better at it when I realized I wasn't playing for myself. So this is the theme. And that was the first time I ever went to a PGA tour event with a camera and a pass that said media that allowed me to interview people. So from the very beginning, that's been the theme that's been the most interesting to me in the sport. Um, because I think golf basically provides you with the, the, the primary puzzle in golf is, are you doing it? <laughs> I mean, it, is it really you that's in control? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate sport where luck is, luck is apparent in all sports. Yeah. But it's the one where 
because after you hit the luck mostly occurs after your motion yeah that you have a long time to consider it every single bounce every single trial and tribulation and all of that could be rendered useless by someone else playing against themselves hours earlier hours later yeah different wind i had this image of brooks reaching for those empty spaces where the trophies were going to go i had this image in my head of of as he is in his own mind rightly so reaching for the trophy he's actually pushing it away but whereas scotty's just standing there and there's like a magnetism to that where it's like no i'm not really like reaching for anything i'm yeah. just here for the ride it's like this the uh, there's this old concept of pastoral greece where if you if you go into the wilderness the wilderness recedes mm. But if you're willing to stay, that's how vines and ferns and flora and fauna can kind of creep up to you. Mm. And it's it's the act of not doing that allows action to occur. Yeah. Which is a beautiful way to think about golf. I think on the larger, and this is, again, might be a little nerdy from an industry perspective. I read an article a couple weeks ago in the New York Mag about reality television and documentaries and how much much it's changed since the advent of the streaming kind of cosmic shift in our viewer consumption habits. Yeah. And documentaries just don't mean what they used to mean. I mean, Netflix now will shell out 10, 15, 20 million dollars for a very particular form of documentary. And you know this, you know, far better than I do and most people, but the most important person in a documentary process traditionally has often been the editor. They're the person who has to go through all the source and find it. And you're seeing now, not just in like an org chart kind of way, but in how who gets paid and who gets credited in new documentaries, the producer is now the the founding force of most documentaries because they're actually they actually have scripts mm. and they're actually finding things. Mm. And the producer is involved now in crafting a narrative, which in the past an editor would get 300 hours of source and have to put something together and i couldn't help but think about that when i was watching full swing which is this is a you know this is the third one they've done they kind of have a formula no pun intended and uh i i don't know i i don't love that i much prefer i'm biased but i much prefer when you know we go out with the camera to do something like aig and we have to find the story yeah we're not going out there with a with a predetermined sense of what it will be yeah yeah, I mean, everything, right? You could look at business, right? Like Walmart was a store, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, Apple was an idea in a garage, right? And now it's like, oh, you went to uh, MIT? Cool. Well, actually, before you graduate, we want to look at your project and we may invest in it. And it's like, you know, businesses are built from spreadsheets, not from ideas. And, um, you know, it would make sense that content would be the same way. I mean, even on YouTube, right, when we look at um, other, other, um, you know, the, the ways that YouTube is used, is it's, it's typically engineered to, you know, get you to watch the next one, which is fine. I mean, I get it. There's a reason. Um, but how does that change the integrity of the story? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have found that actually since now that we're in our fifth, about to see our fifth season of Drive to Survive, 
when I watched season four, which obviously portrayed uh, the 2021 season of Formula One where it came down to one lap, I mean, I was lost. Like, I just didn't care. You know, that's a different reason. But ultimately, I found that like I had transitioned successfully into the sport itself. And so I was just watching races on their own. I didn't want the drama. I didn't, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, that, that stuff was all kind of like, um, it was too edited, I guess is, is to go back to your point. It's very edited. And this is, might be a weird analogy, but it's a lot of when you're starting to get introduced to when you're younger foods that you don't know so much, like agave or sugar or something that's really sweet might get you to try something. But then the more, you know, your, your taste buds mature and the more you might get into something, the less often you want that sweetness and the more you want what the underlying flavors might be in yeah. the dish. And, and that's often how I feel. Um, it's definitely how I felt about Friday Night Lights. You ever watch that TV show? No. Texas Man. You know, one of my favorite documentaries, and maybe you've seen it, American Movie. I've never seen it. What? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know about it, though. Yes, people. It ends up on, on lists. It is, without a doubt, it is a true documentary, like in the sense that there is a rabbit hole and a filmmaker went down it. Yeah, give the quick um, synopsis for those who want to check it out. Sell it. The elevator pitch, 30 seconds. I mean, it's like unbridled character, um, you know, like... Um, it, it, it's a, it's, it's a great example of when just a normal person is an extraordinary character and the, the mission that the character of American movie is trying to achieve is to make their own movie. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen because you just realize that, I don't know, I mean, the, the somber note is like, it doesn't really matter what you're doing or how it turns out. It just matters that you love it. And you see through this kind of like ridiculous production of this film that they're trying to make, this horror film, that, you know, I think his name is Mark Borchardt. He's taking himself very seriously throughout this <laughs> whole process. And, you know, I mean, I think before he started working on the film, he was a gravedigger in north central United States, right? I don't remember what state, but maybe North Dakota or something. But, like, it's just truly a slice of life. Um, I don't know. That, 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 that gets me, you know. But, yeah, no. I mean, if that movie was made now, it would just be a reality show. Have I told you about the horror film I really want to make this year? No. I really I – want, I want to do one. We – basically there's there's some set locations that we have access to and there might be a ranch or two that would make a perfect location and i've i've always i don't i didn't grow up watching horror at all no scary movies in my life it wasn't until recently that that i even did watch any of them but i i just think it'd be fun to make a horror film what's the premise what's the plot well i'm gonna say this now and if you're listening you're not allowed to steal it Okay, that binding agreement, verbal contract. Don't steal it. Don't, don't blink, steal it. Blink once if you agree. Yeah, okay, saw that. I saw a couple winks, and that's scaring me, but 
I'm going to tell you anyway. I want to do a paranormal heist horror movie. Okay, so what does that mean? It means uh, we, we start with this guy and um, he he goes to do a heist and he's in a security deposit box or whatever. We're in Laredo or in West Texas or somewhere. And unwittingly, he disturbs, he gets, he like while he's doing it, someone catches him and then he takes that guy out, you know, like simple smash and grab, kills the guy, drags him out into the desert and buries him. But when he does that, he unwittingly disturbs supernatural forces right and in the safety deposit box was like a key or a map or something that leads him to his big heist you know the last this is the last one guys this is the one that gets me out of the game yeah and then he goes on the heist in there (laughs) (laughs) he goes on the heist um he he assembles his crew we're gonna need you to come in for one last one (laughs) this is the last one right and uh the paranormal entities interfere with the heist in a really scary way. However, no one understands why it's happening. They all think, some of them don't believe, some of them think that obviously it has something to do with the current heist they're doing, but really it goes all the way back to that that first karmic moment that he, that he experiences. So right. it's this haywire ghost story heist movie. Interesting. Kind of like this total genre bender. Um, and I just think it'd be fun. That'd be great. I have a I have the opening scene. I, I know the song. I'm going to play you the song. Okay. Imagine this, right? So it opens kind of like Get Out does or, or something like that. And um, this guy comes up the alley. He, uh, he gets whacked in the head and then cut to black. And then this song starts playing. And we're above a flatbed of a truck. Yeah. Right? Crane shot through the through the west texas dusty interstate to this you know random patch of road and we're just zoomed in and we're slowly pulling out on this you know body in the back of the truck that's kind of like moving around and it really sets the tone and going in the background yeah you can imagine right slow pull yeah an old cowboy went riding out one dark and windy so good. day. Upon a ridge he rested. And this is morbid. So again, I'm sorry you tuned in to talk about golf listening, but here we are. But no, Jojo just gave you the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> uh, don't make that movie. Don't make don't, don't make that movie. Give a title. Yeah, but I really don't want to say that. Okay. Someone someone will do that. Just say it and bleep it out. Okay. I was I was thinking we'd call it, and I'm I'm gonna mark this. I was thinking we'd call this um <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. I like it, JoJo. Yeah, and like it's like it's a par- it's parodying a lot of B movies. It's it's yeah. having fun with a genre. Whatever, we'll we'll do it. Stay tuned. I like it. It'll go on the second channel. I like it. Um, before we go to a break, and then we have. I'd like to see the documentary we- of the making of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can make the documentary. American horror movie. You can do uh, the heart. What is it called? Hearts of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, can, wow. You can, do, you can do Hearts of Dark. Well, and you know, the best one is, um, well, one of my favorite movies is Fitzcarraldo. Okay. Which, have you seen that? I have not. Oh. This is just a tough one for me. You know, you I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to have seen these. Are you familiar? Um, Fitzcarraldo no, is not. Werner Herzog. Yeah. Klaus Kinski. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the story about, there's this area in the Amazon that has... Uh, it's known for rubber trees. And at this point in time, we're talking about 1940s or whatever, rubber is a 
you know, it's like gold. And um, the way they harvest the rubber is you, know, you cut the trees, you melt them down, you pour the rubber out into these bowls, and then you put it on a boat because it's so heavy, and you get it out to the port, and then they make the tires. And um, But there's this portion of the Amazon River that has way more rubber trees than anywhere else, but it's not accessible because there's waterfalls on both sides. What a uh, setup. My guy Klaus says, I can access that. I just need to get a boat there. So the way he conceives of doing this is there's, he looks at the map and he sees there's one point where these two rivers get very close to each other and he can drag a boat over the land. And so, of course, Werner Herzog, not afraid of a challenge, not only says we're going to make a movie about this story, which I don't think is a true story, but the story of the making of the film is true. And so in the film, they drag a boat over the mountain. And then in the documentary about the making of the film, My Best Fiend, they they go over what it actually took to, to bring the boat over the mountain. And is it like the thing where the truth is stranger than fiction? Yeah. I mean, wh what you're looking at here is you've got a feature film and then you've got a documentary about the film. And then you've got Herzog has written books about this whole story. And what you have here is essentially like a moment that was created by the only person who could make it. Werner Herzog, writer, director. You know, Werner Herzog's other films that he's made, he made a film about um, uh, the school for the blind and deaf. And it was, the name of the film was called um, In the Land of Silence and Darkness. And sort of the, in this film, they... You can't hear, you can't see, you can't speak. The way they would communicate is tap each other's hands to spell out letters. Now imagine even just learning that. You have, you have no way to even get into someone's ability to communicate. So there were some people that had joined the school that were able to hear and then lost it. So they could learn the information. And like there was this one moment where they're walking around and they were on a, they went to a cactus farm and they were just touching these cactuses because all they could do is touch that's the only way that they could communicate i mean so Werner was like never afraid he did uh he did a film about um he did a film about a, a high jumper for skiing a ski jumper um you know just just anyway Fitzcarraldo. You have homework if you listen. Don't go watch, you know, watch Full Swing. We love it. But, you don't need to watch Full Swing. But Fitzcarraldo is still on there. Okay, nope. before we go to a break. The one, th the, the interesting thing about watching Full Swing or any show similar, right, is that it does one thing sociologically that's really important, which is that you have something to talk about. So I don't, I don't like, you know, watch Full Swing, talk about it, awesome. But, you know, watch Fitzcarraldo. Talk about that. Watch It's a Wonderful Life. Talk about that. Right? The, that, that. Those are stories that are un, you know, kind of. Uh, if Netflix gave you $10 million, first of all, thank you, Netflix, and then said, uh, go follow one golfer on the PGA Tour and tell a story. Who would I would probably say double it and give it to the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's learning. <laughs> I'm learning about the things. Um, if they said what? Go follow a PGA Tour? Go follow one player on the PGA Tour and make a story around it. Here's your documentary budget. You can do whatever you want. 
We want a story. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it would probably be like, that's a tough one. I mean, I will say I think JT's dad was one of the more interesting characters. Yeah. Um, but... It's a hard question. Or, or it, w- it would probably be the pastor. Oh, you would just go right to the group? I would just follow the pastor because there's been a lot of different pastors that lead this Friday night session. And, you know, they're, they are themselves storytellers. Athletes... You know, and and like if you're looking at, um, you know, The Last Dance, one of the best sports series documentaries ever made. Clearly lucky that the footage was filmed at a time when, you know, we have nostalgia. But like, who's the main character of that story? Is it Michael Jordan? Not really. He doesn't really offer too much. Who Who do you think is the main character of The Last Dance? I mean, I think Michael Jordan is the subject, yeah, perhaps. But I think the main character is is more likely Phil nope. Jackson. Or at least you wouldn't have a title without Phil's like you know, he's he's rich with um narrative. And so when we go when we go film something, right? When we arrive and we see like, oh wait, this character doesn't have the juice, the sauce, the color, the depth, right? We we need to find them. Um and you know, like like American movie or golf ball hunter, right? That that that's where you just walk into, you know, you walk into a a, a shopping spree kind of. Yeah, you walk into a parking lot and some dude is putting on scuba gear. Yeah. And so I think, you know, one of the issues that we're struggling with here is that to carry, uh, I mean, even, I would even say Formula One has more interesting characters. They're mostly from different countries. They are literally trying to accomplish something that is like, you don't really just get lucky and win a Formula One race. Sure you do, but you don't win the championship that way. And overall, they've got this this amount of pressure and stress that basically comes down to 90 minutes of like fast twitch reactions. You hear them talking in the mic. They just see what, what are they, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this whole thing is insane. So with golf, it's a little bit more like are it, there are so many players. Anyone can kind of win. Yeah, and you if you look at um if you look at betting week to week on the PGA tour. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, JT had a one percent chance of winning the PGA championship on Sunday morning. Something like that. Wasn't if, that what they if, said? If that, yeah. And like anyone can win. So but like with racing, no. No, not anyone can win. Just straight up. Yeah, you have for instance, McLaren this week would came out publicly and said, We're hoping for top four this year. We're hoping to return to the top four this year. Yeah. Nobody says that in golf. And that's because, you know, like, I would say car racing, it's interesting because because you have a big machine to move around, there's a level of humility. Oh, that's interesting. I think that exists in golf for a lot of players. Sure. Especially a particular brand of Kisner. humility. Kisner. <laughs> 
it ain't no hobby. <laughs> um, well, K- Kisner says, they said, do you, you know, you saw that post. Do you think you can win? And he was like, no. Like, why do you go play? And he's like, 20 is still pretty fucking good. Like, that's that's the that I would follow him. I think Kisner is a great pick for a documentary around a player. I met him in a hot tub the first time we ever met. And we sat down in the hot tub and he goes, Kevin Kisner, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it would be tough to pick a player to make a documentary about. It, everyone, you'd want to pick Tiger or something like that. But like, I would need to do some real research. I, I don't know if it's a player because the, the player's life isn't, you know, when I when I first got started, I met, I w- actually went to with the waste management. Scratch paid me uh, to make a pilot for what Adventures in Golf would be, and to make like some promotional materials for this new channel, Scratch, which was launching. And so I went to the waste management. I think it was 2014. It was the first year that um, it was it was the Super Bowl and the waste management were both in Phoenix on the same weekend. And I remember I met Chris Berman, the you know this the brilliant ESPN color commentary announcer. And I was like, Chris, like I don't, I'm about to be this host. I don't know what to do. And he was like, Dude, it's real simple. If you find it interesting, everyone else will too. That's the only real job you have to do. So, I mean, for me, like, I don't beyond like doing a great podcast with Tony Finau, like we see their lives. Those are stories that are told, right? Um, Full Swing basically did it, right? I I think. There is a story in, if it has to be about the PGA Tour, there's a story there that's maybe even more interesting. I'm almost thinking about a coach because there's a lot of coaches like Foley, right? Like Foley's in full swing. Foley has multiple students on tour. What's that like? It is odd. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. It'd be like, uh, it's like a consultant that's also working against their non-compete what did you tell what did you tell the other guy would you eh, never mind don't worry about that, that. Yeah. and obviously that they're learning so much constantly from their roster yeah well and going back to breakpoint i mean one of the most interesting things is when um the the young um i can't remember his name but the but the young kid has um you know uh nadal's uncle as his coach and then he has to play nadal and nadal won't sit on the court and he said openly that he he wants Nadal to win to beat his student. I was like, "Get the yeah. fuck out of here!" Seems like an attorney-client privilege breach. Yeah, like I don't know, man. I would just, just be like, "Recuse, you're, you're recruit." Gone. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta recuse yourself in that situation. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a tough one. But but for me for me like I don't I'm not like I'm. I mean, we made a documentary about the PGA Tour. It's about how meditation can improve your game. It's coming out soon. That's what I was... I have a call today about it, actually. Really? Beat Uh, the ball, yeah. Keep your eyes out on it. Look out, Netflix. Um, We talked about this when we were playing some pickleball at the end of the day yesterday. And I was saying, there's got to be some story about a corn fairy player or a fringe player, and you just... It's really on the line. They're they maybe they're not making money, and you just capture what that really looks like. And I've seen people try to do that before. I know that that's not a brand new idea, but I wish 
I could see that in a very compelling way. And maybe it's just the sport doesn't allow for that. West Short Jr. West Short Jr. He was in a bar, 50 years old, and he said, I keep thinking I could win golf tournaments. I'm going to go do it. And now he's on the Champions Tour and he just plays golf. You know, Texas guy too. I think he might even live in Austin, actually. I believe he does, yeah. Yeah, we filmed with him at uh, at um, Top of the Rock. We played around together. Sweet guy. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's, I, I don't know, but I don't know if that's enough to make a show or a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. I don't have an answer for you. But I think it would be someone that you've never heard of. Maybe it would be 10 stories about people that you've just never heard of that you need to make this thing happen. I mean, even like at Augusta, like I've been there a couple times. The most interesting thing I ever saw at Augusta was I sat down after play was closed for the day. Everyone had left. And I think it was about like 18 people came up to the 12th tee box, the par three. And they were all on the agronomy team. And so during a major, people come in from all over the world to like, learn and intern and support the immense things that need to happen to get the course ready. And the, the, the masters is like the pinnacle of all this. And so here's these like 18, you know, people that have come in from around the world to like learn, share information and service the golf course. And basically on this little par three tee box, they go in and replace every divot with like pure turf they like fork it in so you cannot see that a divot was hit. So when you show up on Friday, there was no evidence of golf from Thursday on the tee. And the same with the fairway too. Everything's covered up. I mean, that's fucking crazy. I think that's it. I think I think you got there. I the hardest part would to get, you know, ANGC to say yes to anything. So to, to for real access. Yeah, I mean, assu- assuming the access is there, because clearly they gave it to Netflix. But even like, even going to Augusta, like, what are the rules? That's what I'm saying is like doing Augusta right, and and doing the Masters, doing some of the scary stories from the history. We won't get into them now. I don't know. You can I go back and listen. I mean, we interviewed David Owen, who wrote the making of the Masters, and tells the story of, um, you know, was it Bobby Jones, or was it someone else who started the Masters? And Augusta in general. I mean, Augusta was supposed to be like a residential property, right? Like, there's there's, yeah. there's so many interesting things about Augusta. Wellness retreat, right? <clears throat> yeah, something, kind of. Something to clear the, uh, I forget the the old term for, and, for the and the Masters, its first year wasn't called the Masters. What was it called? I think it was called the Augusta Invitational. That's right, yeah. Or, yeah. or even just the fact that the client, you know, the the specific makeup of the Augusta National staff in the in the dining rooms serving. I remember when I found out, you know, they make a lot of money. Yeah. But there's also complications, just just natural complications with race, with historical historical versions of the region. I don't know. Again, I don't know if they would really say yes to do it right there. They would never. They would never. They don't, they don't need to. There's but, nothing. If, but if you could tell that story of how a place becomes holy, cult-like, religious, just to, to use the word you're talking about, that's this hallowed ground. And then I'm just imagining shooting it and the replacing of the turf and these legion of workers and this this whole thing that has to come together for that for those couple of days. 
yeah, yeah I mean, that, that would be quite a documentary. Let us do it. Well, yeah, I mean, you could even talk about the course as we know it. Didn't look like that back then. Wasn't necessarily McKenzie's idea. When you look at, in the media center, there's these old renderings of the way the course looked in the beginning. And I mean, dude, like, that that 12th, that par 3 12th, like, it just looked natural. It looked like stream song. You know, there was like dunes and like the bunkers were like wonky and like there was high grasses all over the place, you know. So whatever. I mean, you know, things change. Yeah, I wonder when the aliens come, if golf courses will will be interesting to them. Maybe not. Maybe they'll be like, wait, is that is that a golf course? I mean, I always try to wonder what it would be like to explain to an alien what we're doing here. Okay, so we've taken 100 acres of, you know, pretty prime real estate uh, inside of a metropolitan area. And what we're going to do is we're going to release four people every 15 minutes to go walk around and hit this ball. Um, And, yeah, it's... uh, uh, Oh, yeah, no, all this grass is super maintained. Yeah, it takes like five different lawnmowers to do it. Also, to keep this grass safe because we're in an environment that's not actually conducive to growing grass, Palm Springs. And so we're going to need a ton of water, which, yes, is a resource um, that the world needs. And then we're also going to throw in pesticides in it to make sure the grass is a special color of green. Oh, I don't know why it needs to be that color of green. It just, I think people like it. And so that's what we're going to do. And, um, you know, oh, also you need a backpack filled with 14 heavy objects that uh, technically you need new ones every year or two. No, they don't go bad. You just need better ones. They've gotten better since you last got them. Um, And uh, also you need to make sure you meet someone who can tell you how to get better because you're probably not good enough. And uh, when you're done... Um, you're probably going to remember the bad parts. Yeah. Oh, and then, you know, you'll probably be... <laughs> yeah, explaining golf to an alien is... Uh, it doesn't make a ton of... A soccer makes a lot more sense. Where Where's the hole? Oh, it's it's just out of sight. Yeah. Okay, so when you're done, you're done. No, yeah. then we do it 18 yeah. times. And you're going to get up and do it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, it should take about three hours, but here it takes about five. Yeah. If you're lucky, and no one enjoys that it takes more time than less. Yes, we yes we made it the most beautiful grass to walk on in the world. No, yeah. we do not walk on it. We take these little cars. Yeah, seems like a good place for a walk. Nope, we got a solution for that. Seems like it'd be a good place to take your dog. Nope, they're typically not allowed. Yeah, we do love golf though. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then honestly, this is a Q and A podcast. We'll probably do one or two questions. We'll get to the Q's and the A's, uh, but. Uh, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know. Help me out here. Get, get me to a break. We'll be at, we're going to go to a quick ad read. You're going to love the shit out of it. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I have my eyes closed. I've been told that I have a cool ad read. My eyes are opening. Oh, cool. Okay, for most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. Uh, anyway, now thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subs. Let's go, Babbel. Cell learning, that's a thing to do. Uh, There's an absolutely addictively fun, oh God, watch out. Um, I'm kind of interested in this. You know, I've, I've, I've used other learning apps, which shall remain nameless. I tried to learn Russian. Uh, did I tell you about that? No. I was, was trying to learn Russian. Was it for a woman? Anita was Russian. She still is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I tried to learn Korean. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was not for a woman. That was for business. That was, yeah, that was, I mean, Korea is great. Let's face it. Uh, anyway, so uh, if you're traveling abroad, connecting a deeper way with family, or just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. Um, I'm going to jump into this, and I'm going to get... Anyway, with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Not Arabic. Sorry, Jojo, but you already know it. Um, their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and it... Uh, oh, wow, it uses AI. So it'll eat you if you get a mistake. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I love the 15-minute lesson. Uh, they have speech recognition technology. So if you go to, uh, oh, wow. If you purchase a three-month subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Um, so just go to babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L. Yeah, that's most more. B-A-B-B-E-L. So not the biblical and not the, what we do on the podcast every week. Not the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah. Babel. Or is that Babel? That's that's Babel based on the biblical. Yeah, this is Babel with an extra B for biblical. Did we make this harder for you? B-A-B-B-E-L slash. Three Bs, two A's and E and an L, guys. Oh, yeah, that'll, Babel. Make, that'll make it easier. Three Bs for Babel. Uh, you'll be babbling your way all across the continents. If you use the promo code, though, you'll be doing it for less. The promo code is E-A-L show. That's Babel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash E-A-L show. And you know what? Get some new words in your dish. I might just go Swedish, bro. Swedish? Yeah. Finnish irons, Swedish here. fish. This is great. I'm getting it. Velkommen. Velkommen. I'm going, dude. Hey, do. Hey, do. I love it. I'm in, guys. Go to babble.com slash EAL show to, to love it. I love Q&A pods. Haven't done one in a long time. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a true minute. Uh, number one question we got. Let's just let's just get it out of the way. How do you feel about Tiger Woods being back? I mean, I, he's never been gone. In yeah, he's my never opinion. he's never been. You gone. know what I mean? Like while he's playing, like it's kind of like. Um, I mean, are we really looking for more from the guy? That's a that's my biggest question. I did watch his round, yes. Um, so, to, as you know, we record early, so we got to see one round of Riviera. How do you play? Two under, 69. Incredible. Even better than that, last three holes were birdies. So he went... Wow. Yeah, exactly. One over going into 16. I mean, the guy loves Riv. Yeah, it is his tournament. Just loves it. So And he was playing with Rory and, and JT. So I don't know what will happen the weekend. I don't know. It'll probably be... It's just, it's a lot of golf. It's a lot of walking. Dude, I'm in pain when I go play golf. Yeah. And I'm younger than him, and I've hit fewer balls than him. I've done lo- I've done a lot less than he has. But I did go on, e- on ESPN earlier this week, on Monday, and the top article on the golf page, Tiger Woods might play, or Tiger Woods is gearing up to play. Here's, here's footage from 4 a.m. of him on a range session. <laughs> and my question is, how much longer are we doing that? Until he says I'm done. And so you think so? Because we're going to get Tom Brady throwing a football for the next three years anytime there's an Instagram story of it. Yeah, I mean, some stories just never stop being told, you know? Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. I'm grateful for all the memories of Tiger. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have a great answer there. I think, what was the question? Am I excited that Tiger's back? Yes. 
what I'm really excited for is for Tiger to do something new. And so his 20% win rate, which is unheard of, unheard of. His you know, proximity to the hole from 200 yards being the best. <laughs> like, we've seen him do that. We don't need him to do that again. What else is he going to do? If you could give Tiger Woods any job in the world. President. You... <laughs> What do you think Tiger's agenda is? What do you think is the Woods policy agenda? President of the United States, more golf, four-day work week. <laughs> it's happening. You think it's going to be more golf? Yeah, dude. I don't know. I think he's going to I think he's going to have serious militaristic ambitions with certain regions of the world. Hey, you know, I mean like expand, you know, ex- expand or die. He knows how to hit bombs, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm just saying like Tiger Tiger's going to do something that we're not expecting. Okay, we got we got questions for you. And I don't think he'll be president. But prove me wrong, Tiger. Prove me wrong. Um, Johnny Weishel asks, what's the first thing you like to do when you get home after international travel? I like that question. Yeah, it's funny. There's like there's like a true like dichotomy. Good question, Johnny. My thinking is, is that I want to go hang out. What ends up happening is, is I come home and I usually just like take a shower and get in my bed and i just say to myself oh my god i'm so happy to be home (laughs) it's like pretty basic um you know um yeah yeah it's just nice to be home and just like you know home becomes the exotic thing yeah it's nice to just drift around the house and just honestly do nothing for a little bit it's nice to come home on like a friday and then have a weekend to just like settle back in you know i what i will say is like the next day i do have a specific routine and that routine is like to wake up make my own coffee put the desired amount of half and half in there and just slam that take a shit go back make another coffee have some breakfast get in the car go swimming right and then like come back probably take a nap go for a run and then go hang out with the lady that's the day. That's home on a weekend. Home is where the heart is. Home on the weekend. Um, Carl Shipsky asks, how has sobriety changed for you over the years? Interesting question, Carl. Yeah. Um, I really hit you with that left-right punch there. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Um, I mean... In a week, I'll be—I'll have not had a drink or uh, any drug other than nicotine and caffeine, and the odd prescribed painkiller during a surgical moment of my life for 22 years. So, you know, um, we're like kind of over the halfway point of being alive versus, um, you know, uh, that decision and. It's probably gone through three stages since since the beginning. And the beginning was in New York City, um, highly active and involved in a young person's uh, sober movement, which was like at the time we're talking, you know, 9-11 essentially. I got sober um, in 2001. And, you know, we're, we're, we're at a time where social media didn't exist. You were still on the QWERTY texting you know what I mean? Like you weren't, or not uh, alphanumeric or T9. T9, yeah. You were on that tap, 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 tap. I actually, I had that. 
You might surprised. not believe this, but I had that. I believe it. I had a flip phone before I had anything else. I mean, go back, dude. Let's go back. But, you know, I mean, uh, time in person was the the method, right? And so that was like the cradle. And then when I moved out to California, it changed a little bit. Um, I started going to more morning meetings, and I was really involved in the 12 steps there as well. And then, you know, I moved to Austin about two and a half years ago. And I guess to answer your question, Carl, what's changed is that now I'm not as involved in the 12-step world as I used to be. Um, but I feel as connected as I ever have to the way of thinking that the 12 steps is aimed at getting you to, which is essentially how can I live my life according to these principles in all moments? How can I uh, make the world a better place? You know, Bill W. like on his deathbed was basically like, yo, it's called Alcoholics Anonymous, but that's doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it. Um, the idea that we all struggle potentially with some type of addiction is very real. And the kind of, you know, the method of survival or treatment is, um, sure, it lists, it exists in a book or in a room, but those things are both um, products of people. And this idea of, you know, being the hand that's available for someone who needs help, that's something that anyone can do at any time, anywhere, and through any method, really. It just kind of comes down to, you know, the Buddhists say, like, you know, there's no real difference between wisdom and compassion. Where there is wisdom, there is compassion, and where there is compassion, there is wisdom. And so we, you and I were talking about that the other day on the golf course. Um, I think I think probably what it comes down to is, like, you know, how can you have a meaningful conversation in any environment? How are you doing? How are you really doing? Because it seems to me like maybe you're distracted or tired or, you know, something's going on. I'm here to talk about it. Oh, really? That sucks. I'm sorry. It's, is there anything I can do? I don't know. Th that's kind of, for me, what it's shifted into. Um, so, so kind of, if I can translate this as best as I can, are you saying that for a portion of it, for the first portion of it, it was it was very much an individual process, and as you've kind of no, I'd say reverse. Now reverse. it's an individual. Now process. it's more individual. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, now it's like I don't. I think, um, you know, like like you need a foundation of people to understand that there is a life that's different from the one you're currently living. As you go through a change, you need a foundation of new people that can support you in that change. I believe, um, you know, and for me. I have people in my life that I met through that environment that are still in my life today. And I find like talking to them, we just know each other on a different level. Like we're expats, survivors, whatever. You know, we were part of that same story. Yeah, you guys survived the cordyceps. Yeah. Fungal. We're the leftovers. You're the, you're the last of us. Um, I'm just going to keep taking left turns over here. This is a great question. One of the greatest questions we've ever gotten, I would say. It's from Vobonomics. What is one task that you'd never delegate to JoJo? Dot, 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 dot. And why? Like never. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't um, write the question for those of you wondering. Um, 
There have been some funny things you've done over the years. Uh, I mean, honestly, I can't think of that many. There are things that I would prefer not to or that might be a waste of his time. You're being way too nice. He but, just, in his head, he's like driving. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't want me to have drive. You, you've driven before? Yeah, I, yes, I've driven before. <laughs> You're a good driver. Thank you, thank you. There you, are some people whom I would prefer not to drive. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. One time you just called me a bad driver. Really? Yeah, yeah. Where were we? Well, he was like 1 a.m. in Boston. I was driving you to the airport. <laughs> I was like, Eric, I haven't slept in two days. I said you were a bad driver? Yeah, you were like, well, you were like, do you think you're a good driver? I translated that to you. You're a bad driver. Yeah, there are certain things that are work-related that shouldn't be delegated to anyone. Um, you can imagine that these are... Uh, but honestly, e- even there, like if we're talking about on an infinite timeline here, sure, you could run the business. Okay, that's. I, I mean, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I can't, but I am. Yeah, no, you don't. No, thank you. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just keep making things. Um, this was from Jack Reed. To answer that question more specifically, I, I, I am trying to actually delegate things from you. I'm trying to take yes, things yeah, off that's your plate. True, that's true. So that the, the, the real, the, the different answer to this question is that like the things that you are best at are thoughtful, creative, environmental pursuits that are, you know, kind of infinitely malleable. So to answer your question of omonomics, if you have, if you, I could delegate some things to you, you know. Yeah, do you know how to do spreadsheets? We, we could, we could, uh, we could offload some stuff. Just hit me up. Um, what is one country you would like to live in that you've never lived in before? Well, I've only lived in, well, I lived in France, I guess, for a summer. That counts. Um and I've obviously lived in the United States. But, I mean, I would live in a lot of fucking countries. Um, you still have your southern Italy fantasy of retirement? Yeah, Italy, Germany, Costa Rica, those are all good. Haven't been to the South America. I feel like Buenos Aires could be a good one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It would be it would be someplace peaceful. You know, I mean, honestly, what I would like to do is, I'm 42 now. I would like to be more or less retired by like 50 okay 48 50 putting in my google calendar yeah um, don't email eric new, and, new year's day just be like hey time to retire retire soon um and then i would like to be in austin for the spring and the fall and be involved in all the things that we're doing here but then for the winter and the summer i would love to live someplace else for like four months at a time that that's my dream and so never really choosing but just like greece Cool. Four months. Boom. Bam. Back. Out. You know. Kind of sounds like your current job to some extent. It is, but there's fewer days of work and more days yes. of not work. Uh, Gabriel on Instagram. Hi, Gabriel on Instagram. Biggest difference between pod number one and current number, which is 275. Wow. Interesting question. Uh, when I go back, I, I have listened to the first pod. The biggest, <laughs> this is going to sound so funny. I don't think I knew how to talk back then. I agree, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> no, it's funny because other people would never see that. Or hear it. Or hear it. There's that Buddhist story about, you know, the non-judgmental awareness. You know, I have bad thoughts. How do I get better thoughts? Okay, well, just whenever you have a bad thought, put a pebble over here. Whenever you have a good thought, put a pebble over here. Oh, first day, all the pebbles are on the, 
on the side of the bad thought. Over time, all the pebbles move over to the good side. Throughout no real direction, the thoughts change. I think over, now it's been hundreds of hours of listening to myself in a microphone. I just talk differently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how when you're first speaking, I learned this in radio, but how you have to learn how to talk to people who aren't in the room. Do your radio voice. Come on. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Jojo, you have to do it. Reporting on the summer solstice of Alaskan territories, we see a high sea level change to the sea level extent. Reporting live from KCOP. What is it? KICY, KNOM 96.3 AM 780 FM. (laughs) It's good. Next up, we have Elvis Presley, the king, live from Graceland. I mean, you know what's funny is like, did someone tell you to do that? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't onboard you to sound like you're a 1940s sports announcer. But it happens in golf too. Go ahead. Expand. Every golf announcer. Oh, yeah. Creates a persona for golf. Right, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you what's going on in the course, and then I need you to tell it back to me. So uh, I just hit a 60-yard chip shot to um, five feet, and then a squirrel uh, peeked its head out from a nearby fairway bunker. Here's Phillips on 12. Looks like he's got a mid-length wedge shot. Looks like he's got a. Strangely, he's using a nine iron. Looks like he's gonna flight it low. Okay. Wow. Hits the lip of the bunker, rolls out to five feet. Oh, and look at that. We've got a squirrel. Jay, do you see that squirrel? That's amazing. Well, no, no, that's actually Bob. Bob, um, Bob, Bob the squirrel. Bob looks like you tripped in there. Uh, he always finds his ways around the greens. Look at Bob's tail. All right. Straight up. Um, no, I, but to go back to the question, I think the one of the biggest things that's different is early on, I would notice that I, I was, um, or what I would notice about listening to other podcasts was I would hate when the host would interrupt the guest. And so I was just making sure a lot of the times when I would listen, I'd be like, I just don't ever want to interrupt the guest. Unless it's like a yes and. Like, wait, wait, tell me more about that. What was annoying to me is when the host would interrupt the guest to tell a story that they had. And so it's really created for me an opportunity to become a better listener. Yeah. Curiosity. It always comes back to curiosity. When the host isn't distracted, I'm on my phone just scrolling questions. He's finding questions. That's important. Uh, Thoughts on Full Swing if you watched it, and particularly Brooks's mentality. We covered that, so well done. Yeah. Rewind in case you somehow started in the middle. (laughs) You just go right to the questions. Um, What's your favorite bag of crisps? And then there's a parenthetical American flag emoji chips. Yeah, potato chips crisps um you know i've got a few i, I do too so so go yeah. for it yeah. you, what's your favorite go so glad you asked i grew up in the cape cod kettle mm. salt and vinegar chips oh I, I have moved past those a little bit to the cracked black pepper kettle oh, yeah. chips those are good with the ruffle versions R- the ridges yes the ridges Ooh. uh but i'm gonna give the the belt so to speak mm. to the austin texas's own voodoo flavor i haven't had these oh you got okay we'll do that i'll get some for lunch today great and they also have hotter than jalapeno that's wonderful wow that sounds like an album it really does hotter than jalapeno you mean a habanero (laughs) i'm like i don't know what that is 
Um, I mean, for for me, I, I'm a big tortilla chip guy. Nice. Oh, going in a new direction. Yeah, I mean, it's not a crisp, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I just want whatever has the highest salt content on both sides of the chip. You ever have yeah. the hint of lime tortilla chips? Those are good. I like those. Those are good. They feel a bit fabricated. They are definitely fabricated. <laughs> Hint of something that tastes like lime that we invented in a lab. We also painted it green. Um, but yeah, as far as the chips, I mean, I, I like um, those Harvest Cheddars. It comes in like the yellow bag that's like made out of paper. Those things are dangerous though because if you eat too many of those, oh, you got to be on your own for a bit. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Gonna, you, depending on what you was in the tank before, you could end up creating some noxious chemicals. This question is from um, Tyler J. Rutherford. Tyler, and thank you for... Tyler, great name. Great name, Tyler. Love he's, that. He's asking, um, what's the deal with the robe you're wearing, and when can we get it, and where? That, what, a, what a coincidence. How did he know? <laughs> he's standing outside the window right now. <laughs> there, there is a gun. Um, this, this robe actually is something that I've wanted to make for a long time, which is, I mean, as we talked about, I love robes, but um, this is part of our... You know, hotel collection room seventeen that comes with a putting mat and some engraved glasses that have this kind of hotel RGC logo with the with the palm trees and the putting mat. So this is available now, I believe. Yeah, it's available today. If you listen on your commute to work in the morning, wait an hour or two. Go to randomgolfclub.com. If you listen to it on your commute uh, home. It could already be sold out. It's very limited edition. Yeah, we didn't we didn't make a lot of this. Actually, it's it's very sweet of you. You wrote a handwritten note to every single person who bought it. I did. There's a little okay. I, I gotta tell the podcast guests. I love giving them the little extra. Oh notes. yeah, please. We put a little extra something in the box. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, last minute I- idea that we had because we're shipping it out ourselves. We made something we're not allowed to sell because of legal reasons. Yeah, and we're not allowed to talk about it because of legal reasons by receiving this package you are thereby implicating yourself in a class action lawsuit that may or may not take place but you know when you think about an amicus brief it might sound scary to you but to us it just means more friends yeah on either side of the law yeah you're uh it's i would recommend sending this to a third-party location like a ups store or you know pack and ship you know but we're never going to make any more of these um they're small that's all i'll say yeah they they go with what we're selling. Oh yeah, and they will be the holy grail of anything RGC has ever. Yeah, it's it's uh you. They, it was a mistake that you're benefiting from. Yeah, yeah, and and they're really good. So honestly, you like them? I I've I've used them. Yeah, they're really good. They're dentures. RGC is about. Uh, what's the worst golf advice? This is from the Abbott. What? That's the question. Yeah, what's the worst, worst golf actually, advice? Actually, the question is worst golf advice, question mark. Um, I mean, the worst golf advice is, um, to give a new golfer a scorecard. Oh, good. You and gave, just, you gave a real answer to that. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, you just they just there's to explain what par is. Yeah. They don't need to know. You're totally right. My favorite golf story from the last year was Keffer uh, going to play. He just loves to walk on as a single. He's a true RGC spirit, and he just played with three guys who had never played golf before in their entire <laughs> life. 
And so they asked where they should play from, and Kefir was like, fuck it. Let's play from the very farthest up tees. And then Kefir was just out there birdieing holes, going <laughs> crazy, and they, they thought of him as a god. Right. Of course, you know, love they, it. they would learn later. But yeah, just, just try to make – it's hard. It's a hard game. Yeah. Don't make it harder. Yeah, that's the worst golf advice. Or 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 the worst golf advice is any any bundle of advice that exceeds three concepts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just the best golf advice is throw the club. In yeah, my opinion. And and that can mean whatever you want it to yeah. mean. Throw it meaning let go of the club at the bottom of the swing. Don't let it go into the fairway, but just you know. Yeah. Uh last question, I think. And we're going to do more of these sure. in the near future. And, and maybe there's an opportunity to, to do some some stuff on Instagram. Um, thank you for listening. If you got to this point, please leave a comment or a review. It really helps us. Leave a review. Uh, can we Good get... Or bad. We yeah, trust you. Bad is fine. Bad yeah. is bad. Hey, is look, fine. there's no such thing as bad news. You know, you're like... <laughs> Just like bad press. Good press, bad press. Who knows? <laughs> Good press, bad press. I love that. Uh, Filet Mignogna. Mm. Can we get more of the breaking series? Oh, that's the handle. I thought it was a question about meat. Oh. I was getting hungry. I could give you a meat question. <laughs> Can we get more of the breaking series? Absolutely, my guy. We've got one coming up from Cabo very soon with Dave Fink, Sam, and Claire Hogel. And it's shot at a beautiful location. Magic was experienced. It's the most beautiful one we've ever shot. For sure. Um, many twists and turns. Quite like Full Swing, it is a full... 360 documentary experience yeah with a lot of reality tv you know we should do a vr what should what should we do with a vr we should do a 360 golf show like we should record it in 360 yeah i'm thinking no one would watch it but it'd be sick thinking about how no one would watch yeah that happens anyway whatever okay uh any questions for me jojo what are your plans this weekend it's a three-day weekend i think i'm ranching it this weekend ranch been a long time yeah, I have no plans for paranormal <laughs> My exact plans sound like Dark this. Dark and cloudy nights. There we go. Go just going to the ranch. I'm going to Houston to go see some museums. Let me know. Uh, check out the chapel. Rothko Chapel. Yeah. That's our first stop. Yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody. Or a good week. When all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw Plowing through the ragged skies And up the cloudy draws